Okay, if you would take your Bible this evening and turn to First uh, Kings chapter 17. I trust the message tonight will encourage your heart as it has encouraged mine. You know, I was praying this morning and got to thinking about the people that are in Afghanistan that are going to be left. I mean, some of them are going to be left. There's no doubt about it. And I thought, you know, praise God. When God gets ready to pour out his judgment on this earth and the catastrophe is about to break loose, he's going to call us up hither and he isn't leaving any of us behind. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And uh, we're going to be caught up. And that word there means seized out. I mean, we are in enemy territory. We're behind enemy lines. This is, Satan is the God of this world, but we're going to be seized out because there's no one greater than our Lord. Um, that's, that, that was encouraging to me this morning. Anyway, 1 Kings chapter 17. I'm going to read the first verse to get started, and then we're going to be looking at the next two chapters as well. And of course, if you're there, you probably understand we're talking about Elijah tonight. Uh, 1 Kings 17.1 says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Somebody has said, quote, No career in the Old Testament is more vividly portrayed or has as much fascination as that of the unique character of Elijah. The New Testament attests to his greatness and reveals what an indelible impression he made on the minds of his nation. All we know of him before his dramatic appearance being summed up in the words, Elijah the Tisbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead. But we can learn some great truths from this man who burst on the scene and then was caught away in a whirlwind by the Lord. So tonight is Elijah and the conquest of discouragement. The conquest of discouragement. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege you have to open your word. I pray that we look into the word of God tonight as we consider this Old Testament uh, man, Elijah, as prophet of the Lord, who was faithful, and yet he, had, he was human, and we see that he had a time of discouragement. Father, I pray that you would help us to... Uh, in our times of discouragement and disappointment, that we would again learn, as Elijah did, to rest upon you and to trust in your word and not look at the circumstances. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The name Elijah, his name means God is Jehovah. God is Jehovah. And I want to notice four things about him tonight. Uh, first of all, he was obedient to the Lord's command. You know, it's rather simple here. Verse 1, Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Now we know from James chapter 5 that he prayed that there would not rain for three and a half years. That was the duration of time that there would not be rain, but by his word. You know, he pronounced this judgment of God for the sin of his people, of God's own people. You know, he was a prophet to the northern kingdom. You know, Ahab and Jezebel. Ahab was king. Jezebel was the queen, that wicked queen. Queen. Uh, 
of the northern king at the time, and he, he proclaimed this message that God commanded him to give. Now, it was a condemning message. It was a message that could be perceived as hateful message. A message that surely would bring opposition to himself. But it was a message of a holy God and really the only hope of reconciliation for his people to that holy God. God's going to judge you for your sin. You need to repent. That's the message he was giving. You need to repent. And so he was, not, he was obedient to this, this simple command that God gave him. But he was, along with that command, he was fully persuaded he was in the place of God for God's purpose. Now, notice there's an interesting statement here in the middle of this verse. As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand. Now, he's speaking this to Ahab. But he isn't saying, he isn't saying, I'm standing before Ahab. What he's saying is, I'm standing before God. Or, I am in the standing of God. Because Ahab, listen to me. What I'm saying to you would be like God standing here and telling you what I'm saying. It's not any different. Before whom I stand. You know, we must remember that God places us for the manifestation of His glory and not for ourselves. Remember when the Jews were prepared were destined for slaughter in the book of Esther. And Mordecai wrote to Esther and said this in Esther 4.14, For thou hold, altogether holdest thy peace at this time. Then there shall be enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. Now, he was, he was, he, Mordecai was certain that God was going to deliver his people somehow because of God's promises to Israel. So, you know, there, he says, there shall be, but if you hold your peace, but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knows whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. God raised you up and put you in this place for a purpose. He's giving you an opportunity to stand for the Lord, to stand before him and lift your voice in opposition to the wickedness that's rolling, that's, that's, that's about to be brought to pass in this people. You know, Moses was raised up for such a time, as was Pharaoh. In fact, the Bible says, God said, I raised thee up for this time to show my glory in thee. Pharaoh. Even the wrath of man shall praise him, the psalmist says. Nehemiah, you know, Nehemiah comes on the scene and he, he rebuilds a wall. I mean... A lot of people say, so what? Well, he did some other things in there too, if you read book. But that was the most important thing. He raised up the walls, he shut the gates, he restored order. By doing so, he is able to restore order of worship and the keeping of the Sabbath days like it was commanded by God. That was very important in their relationship with the Lord. And then you don't hear anything more about him. God raised him up. You know, of Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.5, 
The Bible says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. I have raised thee up, Jeremiah. I have ordained thee a prophet. You remember when the angel appeared to Zechariah and Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1? And, and, and uh, it was Gabriel. And he gave Zechariah the message. I guess really he just appeared to Zechariah. He didn't appear to Elizabeth. He appeared to Zechariah when he was offering incense in the temple or something. And, and gave, gave the, the promise or the message to Zechariah that Elizabeth was going to conceive and bear a son and what they should do with this son who would be John the Baptist. And Zechariah said something to this effect. Um, how can I know that this is going to be certain? I'm an old man, you know, and my wife is up in years. And the angel said this, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and I'm sent to speak unto thee and to show these glad tidings. And then, because he doubted, he said, you're going to be dumb. You're not going to be able to speak until the day that this is brought to pass. I am angel. I am Gabriel. I'm standing in the presence of God. You should not doubt my word is what he's saying. See, we need to be, you know, Elijah was fully persuaded. He was in the place of God. He was in the presence of God. Second thing we see is he, uh, he exercised faith in the Lord to direct the next step. Now, I said that that way on purpose because there was more than one step in his life. The next step. As we see, there's not just one step, but many. But it is done one step at a time. Um, First of all, he's commanded to hide by the brook. Chapter 17, verses 2 through 7, it says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, to hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. It shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. So, so he, he, he was commanded to go hide by the brook. That word, the, the name Cherith means cutting, and that's interesting. means cutting or cutting away. And it gives you the idea, look, there's some things we need to deal with you yet, Elijah, in your life. And your continued uh, molding and, 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 and uh, preparing for what's ahead. Uh, you know, and, and it's interesting also it says, it says, get thee hence, verse 3, notice, get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself. Hide thyself. So he was commanded to go hide by the brook Cherith. Why was he to hide? Well, I thought of two things. He would not be tempted to go back on the word he commanded if he was shielded from the suffering of the people brought on themselves by their sin. You know, if you are a a person of great compassion, have the gift of mercy. You know, your feelings tug hard at your heart. To intervene 
sometimes in people's lives when you shouldn't intervene, when you should let God continue to deal with them. And that's difficult at times. You know, because we feel, you know, because we feel sorry for somebody, it's not an excuse to compromise the word of the Lord or the judgment of God. We're not to stand in the way of God's judgment. You know, when Noah went in the ark, God shut the door. And where was the only window? On top. I don't think God wanted Noah looking out at all those people whom he preached to, whom he cared for, whom he loved enough to warn and tell the truth, but had made their choice. And there, really was, and there wasn't anything he could do about it. You know, Lot was told to get out of Sodom. And what else was he told? Don't you look back. This place is destined for judgment. I have determined it. And don't you look back. Don't you look back. So there, there you know, it could have been that temptation on the part of, of, of uh, Elijah. But I think the real reason, I think, is the Lord knew his life would be sought. Because they would blame him for the famine. I mean, isn't this what the world does now? We unvaccinated people are the blame for all new cases. That's why we all have to wear masks, right? Because we're spreaders. Of course, you all know that's a lie. But this life would be sought. Look at chapter 8, 18. In verses 8, and we see this, 8 through 12, and in verse 17, and he answered him, he's speaking here to Obadiah, I am, I am, go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, what have I sinned, that thou wouldest deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me? As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom whither my Lord, that is, he's talking about Ahab, hath not sent to seek thee. And when they said he is not here, he took an oath of the kingdom and nation that they found thee not. And now thou sayest, Go, tell thy Lord, Behold, Elijah is here. It shall come to pass as soon as I am gone from thee that the Spirit of the Lord shall carry thee whither I know not. And so when I come and tell Ahab and he cannot find thee, he shall slay me. But I, thy servant, fear the Lord from my youth. Now, Obadiah was a compromiser. But the point is, Obadiah said, Look, if I go tell him, and then you disappear, it's going to be off my head. Because they're looking for your head. Look at verse 17. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? You're the troublemaker. You're the, one, you're the reason for this drought. I know you and I are saying like, what? Isn't that the same thing the world's doing? I mean, they call good evil and evil good. It's all backwards. The whole world's turned upside down. And so God, God hid him for a period of time. 
Actually, he hit him for three and a half years. You know, this, this, this also tested his faith. If you notice in verse 7, it says, in, in chapter 17, verse 7, it says, And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Well, I guess that's going to happen if there's no rain, right? The brook's going to dry up. Can you imagine living by a brook where God has led you and you're watching it get lower and lower and lower and lower and lower? And you're saying to yourself, uh, Lord, uh, Lord, do you see this? What's going on here? What's happening here? This brook is uh, not running as much as it was yesterday and uh, I can hardly get a drink anymore out of this brook. Uh, Lord, uh, Lord, do you, do you see what's going on? I remember we were in a boat years ago in the Lake of Maine, and my father-in-law was with us. And he didn't like water. And it was a little rough, and our boat was really kind of overloaded. It was just a little 14-foot John boat with a four-and-a-half horsepower mercury motor on it so the motor was on the back and I was back there by the motor and he was sitting close to me on the back side like well it was a little choppy you know so every once in a while a wave would splash water in over the side and that happened about two times and you know I'm not paying any attention to it at all because you know I understand okay I got a plug at the bottom of that boat in the back and all if I get water in the boat I can rev the motor and pull the plug and it'll suck all that water right out of the boat. But he starts to say, uh, there's water coming in back here in case you're interested. <laughs> you know, I think what he, I think, you know, it made him nervous and, and I think what he was trying to do was let others in the boat know so that they would head for the, want to head for the shore also. You know, he wanted to get off that boat is what he wanted. You know, I can imagine that's what Elijah was like. He was sitting there by that brook, and the raven was brought him food every day, okay? But he was dependent upon that brook that was running, and it kept getting lower and lower and lower until it dried up. And then the word of the Lord came unto him, verse 8, saying, You know, the Lord said, Lord Jesus said in Matthew six thirty four, Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow takes thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And this is the thing that the Lord was teaching Elijah. Look, you need to trust me. Trust me for today, for the things you see today, need today. And you need to trust me for tomorrow too. I know the book's drying up. He already knew that. So you need to obey the Lord today and trust Him for tomorrow. We also see, now He's directed to Zarephath, chapter 17, verses 8 through 24. I'm not going to read all that for sake of time. But Zarephath is in Zidon, interesting, where Jezebel was from. So He's sort of like hiding out in her own hometown. Maybe that's a good place to hide. But it proves to us, again, that God can protect you anywhere. Verse 8 and 9. 
And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Rise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and behold there, there, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a woman, widow woman there to sustain thee. So, you know, the couple of things we see here is, you know, God can protect you anywhere, and he can even provide for you with the poorest of the poor. You know, he, he said, you know, I commanded thee to dwell with a widow woman there to sustain thee. Now, this widow woman was so poor, she gathered sticks every day for fire to cook. Verse 10 tells us that. There they rose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray, the little water in a vessel that I may drink. So, so you know, God provide you in the worst. He can also provide for you in the worst of circumstances. And this woman, this was a woman that also demonstrated great faith in the word of God. Notice verses 11 through 16. As she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a, little, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little cruise of oil. Behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and for my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not. Go do as thou hast said, but make thereof a little cake first. Me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and her, he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of oil wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. You know, here we see not only Elijah, but this widow woman demonstrating great faith in God, in the Word of God. You know, somebody said, you know, you might say, well, why didn't God just fill up the barrel and the oil? You know, Spurgeon said, if God would have filled it up, she'd have probably had thieves come break in and take it all. But no, she put a little bit in it every day. Just enough for... The three. That's it. But there's a point I want to make here. We have the faith of Elijah and the faith of this widow woman. In Matthew chapter 18, and verse says, Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as to touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Also, John 15, 7. John 15, 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Notice it says, if ye. Now, we understand the King James Bible that Y is what? Plural. T is singular. If he said, if thee abide in me, he'd have been speaking to one of the disciples. But he didn't say if thee. He said if 
ye. Abide in me, and if ye shall ask what you will, it shall be done unto you. You know, there is power in corporate prayer. You know, Elijah and this woman exercised faith in the Word of God, and God provided for them all the time. Now, we don't know exactly how long, you know, how long Elijah dwelled at her house, but he dwelled there the rest of the time until he left to go for the contest in Mount Carmel. And it was, you know, probably within days of that that it rained. So, you know, how long he dwelled at the brook, we don't know. Six months, eight months, two months. But I'm certain the longest duration of his time was with this widow. Then we see, okay, as we consider the, 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 the days or the uh, steps, we see his, his third step is he's commanded in God's time to go meet Ahab. Now, Ahab is seeking his life. He's after him. And in chapter 18, verses 1 and 2, And it came to pass after many days that the Lord of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. I mean, it was bad. It was bad. Sore. You know, this was by human reasoning a great risk of his life. He is a wanted man. But he waited on the Lord for his timing to return. You know, the steps, the psalmist said in Psalm 37, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. One, one missionary said one time, so are the stops of the Lord. You know, he waited for the Lord's timing to return. It was not based on the cries of the suffering in need of help. Because I'm sure there were cries of suffering in need of help. I mean, they were, Ahab and, and uh, Obadiah are, are going all over the country looking for places, pools of water just to water the horses, save the horses' lives. So it wasn't based on the cries of those in need. A need doesn't constitute a call. You know, there are needs in Africa, there are needs in Greenland, there are needs in all over. But we must allow the Lord to direct our steps. So, he waited on the Lord. Third thing we see is, we see the power of a fully surrendered man. And I notice three things here, also in chapter 18. He obeys the Lord's command, go meet Ahab. He's not dictated by Ahab. And the world should not dictate our choices uh, again, if you notice in, in verse 2 through verses 16, it says, And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah, which is the governor of his house. No, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave, fed them with bread and water. Ahab said unto Obadiah, Go into the land unto all fountains of water and all brooks, peradventure we may find grass, save the horses and mules alive, that we lose not all the beasts. So the lied land between them, the pass throughout it. Ahab was one way by himself, but Obadiah went another way by himself. Excuse me. And as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him, and knew him, and fell on his face, and said, Art thou my lord Elijah? And he answered, I am. 
Go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, What have I sinned that thou wouldest deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me? As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom whither my Lord hath not sent to seek thee. And when they said he is not there, he took an oath of the kingdom and nation that they should find thee not. Now thou sayest, Go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. It shall come to pass as soon as I am gone from thee that the Spirit of the Lord will, shall carry thee whither I know not. And so when I come and tell Ahab and he cannot find thee, he shall slay me. But I, thy servant, fear the Lord from my youth. Was it not told my, my Lord what I did when a Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord, how I hid a hundred of men of the Lord's prophets by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water? And thou sayest thou, Go tell thy Lord, Behold, Elijah is here, and he shall slay me. And Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And it came to pass, when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal four hundred and fifty, prophets of the groves four hundred, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel, and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. So, so he based the command to go meet Ahab, but he is not dictated by Ahab or Obadiah. You know, the world shouldn't dictate our choices. We need to simply follow the Lord. And again, he used that phrase in verse 15, before whom I stand. I'm standing before God. One commentator said this, quote, When God commands us to speak, no thought of peril need make us dumb. Unquote. We also see that he challenges Ahab and the people to prove their God. Verse 17 through 21. Uh, well, let's, let's just drop down to verse, verse uh, 19. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel on the Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which did eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on the Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. You know, God wants us to prove him in our lives by our faith in him. Our trust and our confidence in him. And this is what he's challenging the people of Israel. How long halt ye between two opinions? If God is God, serve him. If Baal is God, serve him. But they didn't want to make any decisions. Look at John 14, 21. Again, this is a familiar passage. John 14 and 21. He says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself unto him. God says, I'll manifest myself to the person 
that keeps my commandments, that obeys me. Paul wrote to the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians 8, 24, Wherefore, show ye to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. You know, he's talking about that love offering they were taking for the poor saints at Jerusalem and in Judea, and, and they had talked about doing it, and Paul says, now look, prove to the world that you are, that you do love God. Prove it. 1 John 2, verses 3 through 5, Hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, says, liar, and the truth is not in him. Whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know we that we are in him. Verse 12. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected. There's that word again. Perfected in us. Verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect, made boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. See, if we have proven our love by our obedience, we will not fear the Lord's return and the judgment that follows. Because perfect love casteth out fear. You know, the people were afraid. They were afraid to choose. See, the people here would not decide. They would not exercise faith. It says, and the people answered him, not a word. The third thing we see concerning a fully surrendered man is he was willing to stand alone. Verse 22. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450. Let them therefore give us two bullocks. Let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under it. And I would dress the other book and lay it on wood and put no fire under it. Call you in the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. And you know the rest of the story. But Elijah had faith or confidence in God. You know, he had seen God keep his word to him. But you know, the children of Israel had a history. They had a history of God keeping his promises. These people here had faith and sight. What they could see. And that really is to trust in the flesh. That's what it boils down to. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And verse 6, Without faith it is impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That's, that's obeying, or having confidence in him, without seeing the results before him. By faith, here it is, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark, saving his house, by which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed him without not knowing whither he went. 
Drop down to verse 11. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. And you know all of these apply, but just picking out several that, that are very stand out. By faith, verse 23, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. They were not afraid of the king's spent. They didn't know what was going to happen to Moses. But they trusted God. By faith, Moses, when it was come to years, Jews be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured, how? As seeing him who is invisible. You say, you know, I've heard people say, I don't understand how it can work out. God's commandments. Do you expect your children to obey even if they don't understand? You better believe it, you do. If you got any sense, you do. See, Paul said in Acts 27 25, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as that was told me. Now, it shall be as it is told us. Now, will we be found as we are told? You know, we have to be willing sometimes to stand alone. The lights are turning on. Overcome. Fourth thing we see, here's, here we see he's human. He's overcome with discouragement. And you know the story, you know, they put them bullocks on there and the baby, well, Bale cried almost all day long. They cut themselves and blood ran and, and nothing ever happened. And he mocked them, said, oh, he must be asleep. He must be. He, the word pursueth, you know what that really means? He's out chasing women. Baal was a sensual religion. You know, you know, he, you know who knows what he's doing? But, you know, he, and he, Elijah's just kind of mocking him. And then at the time of the evening sacrifice, he said, you pour water on it. And they poured um, how many, two or three barrels of water on it. And then he prayed. I think it was 67 words. And the fire fell from heaven. And licked up the water in the trench and, and the rocks and everything. And, and then they said, the Lord, he is God. But in chapter 19, so all that happens. They kill the prophets of Baal. And then there's rain. And they run back to Jezreel. Verse 19, chapter 19, verse 1, it says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Now, wait a minute. Now, wait, 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 wait. Okay, stop just a minute. Did he not prove that the gods were of no account? You see how quickly, you know, we're talking about Elijah. You see how quickly we can be put in fear? Don't discount the fact that the devil can put you into fear. 
it is real. That's why it's so important we keep a realize our need and dependence on the Lord. And when he saw that, verse 3, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba which belonged to Judah and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he quested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. So why after such a display of power and victory? Well, you know, Ahab and Jezebel are still in power. And a real threat. That is a real threat. And there really isn't, at this point in time, apparent change in the people. You know, in verse 21 of chapter 18, they, 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 they wouldn't give an answer. They answered him not a word when he asked. You, know, you need to serve God or you need to serve Baal. And they, they wouldn't answer. In chapter 19, verses 9 and 10, he says, And he came hither unto the cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, and he said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altar, slain thy prophets of Lord. I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So there is no apparent change in the, in the nation. Now let me ask you, is that a good reason to be discouraged? Looking at things this way, it's a very good reason to be discouraged. But the Lord's answer is kind of interesting, I think. And he gives three things that he's not in and then the one that he is. And to me, it's kind of interesting. The Lord's answer, verse 11. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So there's, there's, three, there's three things here that will not give us victory over discouragement. Wind, in other words, force. God does not work by force to stop wars, to step in and stop crime, to stop those that blaspheme. He doesn't use force. He won't force his will upon people. He will bring judgment in his time. He won't force his will upon people. He simply says, follow me. You know, Jesus said to the disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. You know, to follow is an act of one's will. One's free will. The earthquake. Earthquakes cause fear. God does not not coerce us like frightened cattle being herded to obey him. Now, we're compared to sheep. And sheep, again, follow a shepherd. They're led. They're not chased. God calls us to himself. There's fire. Fires, fire just destroys everything. Fire speaks of destruction. And God wants to save our lives, not destroy them. 
Remember, James and John wanted to call down fire out of heaven and destroy the Samaritans because they wouldn't receive the Lord Jesus. And Jesus said, I came not to destroy men's lives, but to save them. You know not what manner of men you are. You know? But then there was this still, small voice. Now, compared to the wind that rent the rocks and the earthquake and the fire, what's sensational about a still, small voice? nothing you know in comparison that seems so small yet that voice of the Lord has the power to prick a person's heart and bring conviction it has the power to give life to quicken the spirit it has it, it can give power to the faint, strength to the weary. It is the word of God that is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, discerning even the thoughts and joints of the marrow, discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. If you notice in verse 13, it says, So when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out, stood in the entering of the cave, and there... Behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I, and again, he goes through this story. I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altar, slain thy prophets of the Lord, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take away. And the Lord said unto him, He didn't really even despond to his sob story. This is what he said. Go, return on the way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, Anoint Haziel to be king over Assyria. Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Mehaloth, shalt thou appoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Jehu is the one who, who exercised judgment on the house of Haab. He's also the one that driveth furiously. Um, and then he says, Yet I have left me 7,000 Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. You see, we have a more sure word of prophecy. And so the Lord says, Elijah, look, listen to my word. Don't worry about, or don't you can be consumed with, the results. The results are in my hand. That's my worry. Whether you live or die is my concern. You stand, you said you stand before God. You are in the presence of God. And if you are in the presence of God, no man can touch thee until I allow it. You know, Elijah, you cannot see what is going in the hearts of the people, so you just keep giving out that life-changing word of the Lord and let me worry with the results. And after all, you aren't the only one left. There is a minority. There is a remnant. It is a remnant. But you're not alone. And the interesting thing is, the next word says, so he departed thence. So what did it take to get over his discouragement? 
He needed some word from the Lord. If you get discouraged, you know what you need? Some word from the Lord. I mean, you, you live in this world, you're going to get discouraged. What you need is some word from the Lord. You know, Peter wrote in First Peter, 2 Peter 1.19, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, wherein do you too well that you take heed, as to the light that shineth in a dark place. Unto the day dawn, the star rise in your hearts. Elijah, he did great things for God. But even he got discouraged. And the Lord simply said, Elijah, listen to my word. Just follow my word. Have confidence in the word of the Lord. It shall come to pass.